Good morning, Houston. So I hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving, and uh, you probably ate too much, but like I think Jay said this morning, that's part of Thanksgiving, is you're supposed to eat too much. So I definitely accomplished that. Uh, But today, we're going to be talking about something that I think is important for each of us to keep in mind. Because Thanksgiving was just a few days ago, and we're usually reminded of the fact we're supposed to be thankful for all of our blessings, which is important. We should do that. But we're going to be talking about something a little different today, about how we should be mindful of our weaknesses and some of the things in our life that we maybe don't wish we had, and that how God wants to use those things in a mighty way in our life. So sometimes we only focus on our blessings But sometimes God wants to use our weaknesses for Him. So today's message will be entitled, Winning Through Weakness. Winning Through Weakness. And if you got your Bible, if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it'll be page 1309 in the church Bible, 1309. So it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to be reading the first seven verses there. So it says, I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool. For I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. So this first point we're going to be looking at is humility to victory. Humility to victory. The path to victory starts with humility. That's why it says in the Beatitudes, it says, Blessed are the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. That's not something we usually hear nowadays. It's you got to be boastful, you got to be braggadocious, make everybody notice you. But in God's hierarchy, he says that the humble are higher off than the people who are very you know, arrogant and thinking high of themselves. But we don't necessarily just get humility through everything going perfectly. Sometimes humility has to be taught to us because a lot of us are hard-headed and you know, slow to learn things. So God has a way of putting humility in our lives through circumstances that come our way. And what we're going to be looking at is these circumstances are not meant to discourage us. They're not meant to pull us further away from God. These circumstances and weaknesses are meant to draw us closer to God, to rely more on His strength and not our own. So if you would look on verse 2, it says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. So just a aside right here, the third heaven right here, it's not talking about three stages of heaven. And it's not saying that there's three different heavens. The third heaven is a way of talking about 
what we would think of as heaven. So there's three different heavens. There's the first heaven, which is kind of like our atmosphere where the birds fly and, and all that goes. The second heaven would be outer space, the sun, the moon, the stars, all of that. When it talks about the third heaven, that's talking about the abode of God, where God dwells. And so that's what Paul is talking about. And he's saying, he's so humble right here. He's saying, I don't even want to tell you that it's me. I'm going to say, I know a man who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. And this third heaven, it says that he calls it paradise in verse 3. It says, and I know that this man was caught up into paradise. And that same word for paradise is the word that Jesus used when he was on the cross. And he's talking to the thief on the cross and he's saying, uh, this thief is saying, hey, Lord, remember me when you enter your kingdom. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. So he's talking about heaven here. So Paul had an insight into something very, very few people in the Bible ever got a glimpse of, and that is heaven. And so he would have had a reason to be boastful, a reason to kind of stick out his chest and to think more highly of himself. And God knew that even Paul, who was a great Christian, if he wasn't careful, he could have gotten lifted up in pride. So what God did was, is he sent Paul, he calls it a thorn in the flesh, And there's been debate over the years what this thorn in the flesh is. Some people say it was his eyesight. Some people say it was arthritis. Some people say it was a sin that he struggled with. Ultimately, though, there's no way to know for sure because the Bible does not address it. And I think there's a reason that the Bible does not address it. It's not because it doesn't, it's not important, but it's because the ambiguity of it or the the fact that it is not left spoken of lets us know that we all have our own thorns in the flesh. So it becomes more in general, if he just said, I struggle with eyesight, then all of a sudden, maybe some of us will go, well, that's not really my struggle. But we can all relate to a thorn in the flesh. We all have our own struggles. And so the Bible has left this uh, ambiguous so that we can all kind of grasp on to what Paul is struggling with here. He's saying, I got a thorn in the flesh. And you know what? Whenever we think about our struggles, Paul, he was a great Christian guy. You know, a lot of people talk about how he was a great missionary. He wrote many books of the Bible. But it's not like his life was smooth sailing after that. He was shipwrecked. He was stoned. He was beaten. He was cast out of town. He has this thorn in the flesh, a a physical ailment. So don't believe, you know, sometimes you'll watch TV and somebody will say that the closer you get to Jesus, the more your life will be perfect. When the fact is, is that's oftentimes the complete opposite. And it's not because God doesn't love us, but it's because he does love us. He doesn't want us to be lifted up in pride thinking that we are something that we are not. And you look at the early church, they, they dealt with struggles, they dealt with adversity. Eleven of the twelve disciples were martyred for their faith. I mean... The person who we worship, Jesus, he died on a cross. So don't think that if you follow Christ, your life will never have struggles. But know that in the midst of those struggles, there is a purpose behind it. The the struggle that you deal with, the thorn in the flesh that you are trying to overcome, it's not there as a meaningless obstacle. God has sovereignly put that in your path to teach you something. And we might not know fully what that is this side of eternity, but we have to trust God that whatever it is, he has something behind it. That's why it says in Romans, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, who are the called according to his purpose. So it doesn't say most things, it says all things 
God's working it together for your good. Even the struggles of life, even the uncertainties of tomorrow, God is so good and so in control, he can take that bad and use it for good. And that's something that's pretty awesome. And you look at Proverbs, it says in Proverbs, pride comes before destruction. If you are a haughty person, you're very lifted up in yourself, that you're just setting yourself up for a fall. You know, you see all the time about, you know, players that brag about how great they are and then all of a sudden they, they do something, you know, dumb because they're starting to think that they can never make a mistake. And if we let that happen in our spiritual life, we're setting ourselves up for a mistake. So God will put things in our life to draw us closer to him. And it's not because he hates us, it's because he loves us. And I want to read this uh, from a pastor in the 1800s. He, he wrote this several years ago. He said, Perhaps you have looked into the face of a Christian who is always smiling, who never seems to have any worry, is always happy and radiant. And as you have thought about your own circumstances, you have said in your heart, I wish I were he. He seems to have no problems. He doesn't have to take what I do. But perhaps you have lived long enough, as I have, to know that sometimes the most radiant face hides great pressures. And often the man who is being most blessed of God is being most buffeted by the devil. You know, and that's the case for all of us. Sometimes we might look at somebody who's going through a lot. It's not because God's trying to punish them. It's not because they're walking away from God. Maybe it's because God sees the growth that can take place in that person's life through that trial. You know, if you read about any of the great people in history, I mean, we could talk about Christianity for positive, but even lost people, the people who make a difference in this life, it's not from everything going smoothly their whole life. If you read any biography or watch any movie about that, they had to deal with stuff. And one thing I know about everybody in here is everybody here is dealing with something right now. It might be physical, it might be financial, it might be spiritual, it might be all the above. We are all in a battle with an eternal being. Satan is after our souls. He's after, and if he doesn't have our souls, if you're a Christian, he's after your day. He wants to ruin your day. And, and if he can't have your soul, he wants to take away any joy that you can have in the Lord. And so God knows that, so he doesn't give us anything more than we can handle. And that's like the story of Job. You know, Job was a righteous man. It says that he, nobody in all the world was as righteous as Job. But Satan was allowed to tempt and test Job from God. But he never went further than what God allowed. So for you all, you need to remember that there's not anything that's happening that's any further than what God allows. Sometimes people think of it like, Satan's on one end of a rope and God's on the other and God might be a little stronger but Satan's, you know, he's, he's pretty strong too. God is so infinitely stronger than Satan. It's more than me versus an ant. Like anything that Satan does, it's not because he outpowered God. It's because God allowed him to use that for our good. And you think about 1 Corinthians 13, it says this, we see through a glass darkly, which is saying sometimes we only see part of the picture in our life. We only see just a little bit of it. And I've heard this illustration before, which I think is really good. Sometimes it's like a crochet or whatever where you're trying to, have you got those circles and you're going through, and I don't remember what that's called, but on the back side, it just looks like a complete mess. There's just all kinds of threads going every which direction. 
And that's kind of how we see our life sometimes. There's no rhyme or reason. Everything's just randomly put there. We don't know why this has happened. But if we could flip it over and see from the perspective God sees it at, we would see a beautiful picture. And that's how God sees it. We sometimes only see a glimpse of what God's working out. But we have to trust that he sees the end result of what that's going to work in our lives. You know, there was a great Christian named John Bunyan. And he lived in the 1600s. And he wrote a book called Pilgrim's Progress. And that book was the first ever novel written in English. And it's since its inception in 1678, there hasn't been a year that it hasn't been in publication. But he wrote that book while he was staying in prison for 12 years for preaching the gospel. And you know, what he could have done is he could have said, this is what I get for trying to be a Christian. I try to preach the gospel and I get thrown in the slammer. That, that's really fair, God. Instead, he, he decided, I'm going to praise God even in this prison. I'm going to write this message for somebody to read that they might be blessed by it. And so many people, including myself, have been blessed by that book. And that story wouldn't have been written on a perfect day. I don't doubt that God used the trials of that guy's life to write the story that he wrote. And sometimes you might be thinking, my life would be so much better off if I didn't have this struggle. You fill in the blank. Whatever it is. Whenever I say that, some of you are probably thinking of one or two things. If my family member didn't do this to me, or if my childhood wasn't like that, then everything would be perfect. But the fact is, is we don't understand that on the eternal scope, God has a purpose behind your pain. There's no pain in this world that you deal with that is not having a purpose from God. And to me, that, that gives a whole lot more comfort to know that there's no purposeless pain for a believer. He has a reason behind it. So what Satan used to discourage Paul, God was using to perfect Paul. So if you guys would continue reading with me in verses 8 and 9, we're going to be looking at God's grace is enough. In verses 8 and 9 it says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So three times, Paul is asking for relief from this pain. And three times could be literal. It could be saying, I asked three times for it. Or it could be figurative of just saying, I continued to ask God for help with this. And God's answer was no. He says, I'm not going to give you relief from this pain that you think you need. It wasn't because of any sin in Paul's life. And this is something for you guys to remember. There might be struggles that you're dealing with now, and they are not necessarily because of a sin that you're struggling with. It might not be because of lack of faith in your prayers for healing with this. It might be because God wants to use that to help you in your walk with Christ and to help somebody else in their walk with Christ. You know, I think about people in my life who have dealt with a lot, who've had physical ailments and financial struggles and I see the joy that has been had in their faces in their lives and that's made such a difference for me in seeing their joy people that have had severe arthritis or uh, diabetes or whatever and seeing their joy 
is something that you can't get with every day being perfect. You know, I taught a student a few years ago who, uh, for the junior class, I make them list 100 things that you're thankful for. And, you know, so they're kind of going, I can't think of 100 things. So, so then they finally start writing stuff. And uh, one of them, this, this young man, he, he wrote, and, you know, I was reading through it. And one of the numbers on there, then I circled it because I, I wanted to talk to him about it afterwards, was he says, I'm thankful for my diabetes. And I was like, because I've talked to this guy before, and you know, sometimes he'll just go, I hate the fact that I have diabetes. I don't know why I have to deal with this. And I, and I talked to him, and you know, the fact is, is God was working through that struggle in a way that if every day was perfect, he could not have been drawn closer to him with. And for you all, you might be struggling with something that God wants to do the same thing for you. It says in Isaiah, Look, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. You know, the way that God tests us sometimes is not meant to discourage us, but the same way if you are a goldsmith or a silversmith, you got to put that bar of gold or whatever through the furnace and all the imperfections come to the top. And then what he does is he scrapes off all the dross, all the excess that's not, not to be there. In the same way, sometimes through affliction, all of our imperfections can come to the top a little easier. And, you know, I'm guilty of it. I, I'm asking the Lord to help me work on it. But it's, it's easy to praise God when stuff's going great. You know, it's, it, sometimes that's, that's when it's easy. When stuff is a struggle and our faith is tested... Are we quick to get angry at God? Are we quick to try and do stuff in our own power? Or do we say, God, I don't know why this is happening. It doesn't really make sense to me, but I'm going to trust you anyways. That's what Job said. He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So he was praising God even when he didn't understand it. And that's what God's wanting from each of us. John 16.33 says, In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So we are, we are not promised perfect lives and safekeeping. In fact, quite the opposite. It says, All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We will face tough times. But the awesome thing about it is whenever you're facing those tough times, God is going to be with you each step of the way. That's why Paul and Barnabas, when they were thrown into a, a prison cell, they started singing hymns of praise to God at midnight because they had a joy that couldn't be taken away by their location that only God could ultimately give. But if you look at verse 9, it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now we might expect him to say my Jesus power is made perfect in my power or in my strength but he says the opposite he says God's power is made perfect in my weakness so whatever your weakness is that you're thinking well God wants to use me but he can't use me because I don't have this or that that might be the very reason that God wants to use you in that capacity so we shouldn't put limits on what God can do so Paul is most powerful when he is least reliant on his own resources. When you get to the point where you realize, I don't have anything to offer God, I'm not perfect, I can't do this on my own, and you get to the end of yourself, you start to realize, I need to rely more on God. And God kind of helped me just a little bit uh, 
expressed this more in my life because the past few days, talking about weaknesses, I've just had, you know, I'm usually pretty healthy, but I've just been stopped up and had all kinds of sinus issues. And it just makes me rely that much more when I'm praying, Lord, I, I'm not a great speaker anyways, but especially now I'm not going to be able to communicate like I would like. So I'm going to need you to, you know, speak through me in this message. And that's how God wants to work in all of our lives is through each weakness. But it says, my grace is sufficient for you. And I want you all to fill your name in the blank. My grace is sufficient for your name. God's grace is sufficient for each of you and for myself as well. Whatever we're dealing with, God's grace is sufficient. Don't think, well, I need God's grace plus I need a million dollars plus I need everything to go perfect. No, we need God's grace and that's what we need. If, if all you have is God, then that's all you really need. If everything you had was taken away in a moment, but you still had a relationship with Jesus Christ, you'd be the most wealthy person in the world. I would take living in a tent by myself and have Jesus Christ than to have a billion dollars and have every friend in the world and not have a relationship with Christ. And that's what the Bible says. It says, what does it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his soul? It doesn't make a difference whenever we die. So ultimately, Paul was praying for relief. But relief can come in one of two ways. Either it can come from taking the load off the shoulders, or it can come by strengthening the shoulders of the person who's carrying it. So maybe for you, God's not taking the re- He's not giving you relief from what it is you want help with. But maybe he's trying to strengthen you through it to give you the power to overcome it. So let's go to verse 10. It says, For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So verse 10, we're going to be looking at contentment in crisis. How to have contentment during a crisis. So you think about Joseph. You know, he was in the book of Genesis. He got sold into slavery by his own brothers. He got accused of uh, an inappropriate relationship with a girl. And he got thrown into prison and, and all kinds of bad stuff. And God eventually elevated him to second in command in all of Egypt. And at the very end of Genesis, in chapter 50, he says, What you intended for evil, God intended for good. And that's what we need to remember. Even the person who said some hurtful things that you still remember when you were nine years old, your mom said something, or your cousin, or whoever, God might have, that might not be a good thing, but God's so in control, he can take even the bad actions of people for your ultimate good. But just don't think that because you're a Christian or because you're 50, and I don't care how old you are, you realize now there's not a stage in your life that you get to that you don't have struggles, that you don't have problems or weaknesses. It's not just whenever you're a kid or a teenager or a 20-year-old, till your dying day on this earth, we're going to have struggles. But that's why we need to remember, Jesus said, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We shouldn't try each day to say, well, if I can just reach this status symbol, make this amount of money, have this amount of friends, then my problems will go away. I think we all know that that doesn't happen that way. That's why some of the most miserable people in the world are Hollywood celebrities, because they have everything they thought they wanted, and they thought would bring them happiness, then they finally get it, 
and they realize they're no better off than when they started. And for you guys, we need to remember that the stuff doesn't bring us happiness. Maybe for a minute. But if you want lasting joy, that's going to come through Christ alone. So James, he says in chapter 1 of James, he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So it's through the testing of your faith that you are going to be grown in a neat way. But the fact is, is every person here has dealt with stuff and is probably dealing with stuff right now. But it's not the, the fact that you're dealing with something that's going to cause you to be close or far away from God. Because there's some people in here who have dealt with a whole lot who are close to God. And there's some people in here who, in the grand scheme of things, have dealt with just a very little. Uh, but they have not dealt with it as well. But ultimately, the same sun that hardens clay melts wax. So the same sun that hardens clay melts wax. And that's because it's about how you react to it. So with this, we're going to look at each of these different things from weakness all the way down to calamity. So with weakness, it says in verse 10, For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses. So weaknesses could be sickness, could be you've got problems with your knees or a physical problem. Maybe you've got a, a social uh, stigma or whatever. Those might be weaknesses that you have. You know, for me, whenever I was growing up, like if I was, like not even that long ago, like when I was 21, if you would have said, hey, you can have $10,000, but you have to preach to the church. I'd say, I'm good. I'll, I'll pass on that. And, and sometimes it's interesting how God calls us to do things that highlight our weaknesses. Public speaking would have been the last thing in the world I would ever want to do because that's not what I would consider a strength. But when we're weak, God is made strong. I'm more reliant on God, and I'm thankful in some ways for my lack of... Ne- uh, natural public speaking because every time I get up here I have to make sure I'm prayed up because I know in my own strength I'm going to fail every time and that's how God works sometimes is he wants to use and highlight each of our weaknesses like has anybody here seen the movie Rudy before some of you okay so I love that movie besides the fact he played at Notre Dame uh, but you know in that movie it's talking about how he's five foot nothing, a hundred nothing pounds, he's slow, he can't catch, he's just not very athletic, and he tries to play football at Notre Dame. And, you know, basically the whole movie is him just getting beat up by the starters. He's trying to walk on, he's just getting killed. And long story short, at the very end, the last scene of the movie, he makes a sack on a guy for Georgia Tech, and they hoist him on his shoulders and take him off the field. And he was the last person to ever get carried on the shoulders of his teammates for Notre Dame. That story would not be quite as cool if Rudy was six foot six, 350 pounds, and ran a 4-4. That just wouldn't be as cool. But the fact that he was undersized, that nobody really thought he could do it, points to him uh, getting strength from somewhere else. So whenever it's talking about this, it says insults. So somebody might be speaking ill toward you. Hardships. Your financial upbringing, your uh, personal struggles, 
You might be dealing with all kinds of stuff right now. But you shouldn't let hardships define who you are. You shouldn't let what's happened to you when you were young, what's happening to you right now, take away the joy that God can give you in the current mess. You might be dealing with a lot. I don't doubt that. But God can give you peace even through that. And then finally, uh, we'll look at persecutions. It says in Matthew, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So whenever we think about it, God is going to bless those who persecute you if you're a believer. Whenever we took the youth, some of the youth, to Voice of the Martyrs uh, this past summer, I was interested that they said the fastest growing church in the world right now is Iran. Is on Iran, which I would have not thought that. But that just goes to show sometimes God uses the struggles of others to grow places that we might not see as often. Iran is one of the most heavily persecuted places in the world, and it's also the fastest growing church in the world. And there's not a uh, there's a reason behind that. So there's a guy named John Chow who he graduates from Oral Roberts just up in Tulsa. Uh, and he's like 26-year-old guy. And November 16th of this year, he went to an island off the coast of India called North Sentinel Island. And this island only has about 150 people. And he went there to try and tell them about the Lord. And in the process, they speared him to death. And so this guy, 26 or 27 he died as a martyr trying to get this gospel to these people. And so a lot of people might go, well, you see, he's a failure then because he tried to share the gospel and he didn't succeed. But more people now know about this little island of 200-something people in, off the coast of India than ever would have in his life. God was using this guy's death to do something that we could never get in our own. And then finally, calamities. You know, being in Oklahoma, we're used to natural disasters sometimes, tornadoes or whatever, uh, the California wildfires. We see all kinds of calamities. We see all kinds of natural disasters. If we try to take stock of all that we own, it can be gone in a minute. Even if you have it in the bank, you know, there's stock crashes all the time. That could happen. It probably won't, but it could. If we try to rely on that for our strength, we're missing the boat. So here's what I'd like you guys to focus on this morning. Do you have to be happy with every trial and weakness that you're enduring? No. You do not have to be happy that you're enduring that. But God wants you to have the proper perspective with it. Like I said earlier, you don't have to say, I'm so full of joy that this is happening. You can say, Lord, I don't know why this is happening to me. This doesn't make sense. But then say, but I still trust you. And you're still working something good through this. That's what God's wanting. Just a little bit of faith. Wherever you're at, take that next step of faith. So let's go before the Lord. Lord, I just ask that you would be with each person in here as we can deal with uh, struggles and pain. May you just give strength to each person's weakness. May they find peace and and safety in the arms of you. And Lord, ultimately, the first bit of strength they need is finding weakness for salvation. If there's a person here that does not know you 
as their personal Lord and Savior. Lord, I just ask that they would pray a prayer like this. It doesn't have to be this prayer, but Lord, that they would just call out to you, realizing that their sin has separated them from a holy and a good God. And if you were to give them justice, they would be sent to hell. But Lord, you are long-suffering. You said that you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So I just pray that each person who you're working on this morning would hear your Spirit's call, that they would turn from their sin and put their faith in the one who died for them and rose again. And Lord, as the music plays, I just ask that you would begin to work in the hearts and the souls of each each person here. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. And if the prayer team could find their places as we sing, if you guys could stand and sing with us. This morning, just allow these words to wash over you and to enter into your heart. His strength is perfect when our strength is gone. ask that you'd bless each person here, draw them into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. And may we just, as Thanksgiving season is over, may we spend each day going forward thankful for your blessings. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.